This is I Don't Care If You Listen podcast with my mom, Shawnee, and my auntie, Bionica. I hear them talking. I don't know how to pigeonhole that stuff anymore. I really don't know how to determine because, frankly, I'm talking to everybody, aren't you? I mean, I don't right. know. Yeah, whoever listens. Whoever listens. And if they don't, <laughs> I don't care. I don't care if you listen. <laughs> There's the point. <laughs> Bringing us back. To another episode of I Don't Care If You Listen. Let's start this podcast right now. Hello, my dear friend, Leonica. Good evening, Shalini. How's it going? It's going good. Um, Let's get to it. What did you think of last week's episode? How did you feel about the conversation? I enjoyed it. It seemed like we had a lot of fun because we did. Of course. Did you think that we, I just, when we hung up the phone, see how we still say hung up? (laughs) When we hit the button to end call, I was like, man, I hope that my girl felt supported, respected, and I hope that I did everything I could to let you know how f- up that whole situation with dealing with people and hair has got to be. I, I, I listened to it because we try and do these in 47 minutes. I try and edit these down to 47 minutes so that we are consistent with 47 minutes, you know? I like that. But that conversation that you and I were having about hair, perceptions, emotions, feelings about how children are, children are feeling in the experience, the American experience, that conversation could go on and on, Lee. We could go on and on about how f- up it is. It's so f- I know. That's why I'm grateful for you because you did. You did a great job making me feel supported. You always have. That's why we can do this together because we always have each other's back. You go through it too. So, I mean, maybe not here, but it's we just have different. We have different experiences, but they're the same but different, but the same but different. And I just want you to know, like, as your sister, as your friend, like, when push comes to shove, when the shit hits the fan, when the apocalypse is here, we got this together. We will do yes, this. We do. Back to back. Back to back. <laughs> we got this. That's right. Like Charlie's Angels. You right? <laughs> you pictured the pose in your head right now, didn't you? Girl, you know I did. You know I did. It's crazy. I mean, I think about some of the situations we A, put ourselves in, or B, found ourselves in. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'm really glad that social media is different now than it was back then. I am too. I am so glad. I look at pictures. I got pictures of us that I look at. I'm like, whoa, wow. We were, we were, we were, we, we, we were, we were living it up. We were hot tamales, right? (laughs) We were hot, hot tamales. The interesting piece about not having to deal with the social media and having that innocence about those experiences that aren't necessarily documented. Thank goodness. Right. We would have been so exploited. I feel sorry for kids. I'm afraid for my kids. They are so exploited. I mean, everything is out there. Everything. Like you do something dumb. Somebody's posting about it or recording it. Or going live. But we also have opinions, too. And right now, with social media, you have to be very careful about your opinion because you represent another entity, and they're looking at how you're representing them all over social media. I mean, now 
my, I have four supervisors and two of them are always checking applicants, Facebook pages. Yeah. Checking them out. Yeah. So I'll go peruse, look at the photos, check out personalities and stuff. I try to be very consistent and I try to make sure that there is nothing that I post that I wouldn't say out loud or to someone's face. Agreed. I will very openly tell you how much I disagree with the current regime and mm -hmm. I'm not shy about it. I, I will tell you very openly what I do and don't support. And if I, if I can't be open about it with you in person, then I probably won't post it on Facebook. I had someone say to me the other day, <clears throat> you know, I just try and keep everything really cool on Facebook. I don't discuss politics and da, 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 da. And to me, we're in a very different state of affairs. I've said this before, this isn't just politics. So I feel almost like it is my, almost a lifeline to the world to express how dire this is for me, you know? Do you feel like you're in survival mode? I kind of feel like that. Like you are just, like you said, the apocalypse. You're waiting for it to happen. People are just so reactive right now. It is, and I, I can tell, like even me, I'm, I'm just waiting for that big, Oh, the race war is here. <laughs> it's... You're not just waiting for it, but you're seeing signs of it almost. You're seeing signs that are making you feel like, well, that, that's a sign of it. Like this whole, con really, this whole conversation, this Colin Kaepernick Nike thing. Hey, go Nike. Just go do Nike. it. Go just Nike. do it. Just do it. Oh, I, uh, I would uh, hope that people uh, uh. who don't support Colin goes ahead and get rid of all of their Nike stock so that people who do support him and wants to support a company with some values can invest in Nike. Nike's not going to go under over this. <laughs> They're making a big deal. Oh my God. I was getting all kinds of notifications from the news people on my phone. Nike's not going anywhere. Period. They're on the right side of this. Which is a beautiful thing. And they're also publicity geniuses. They have never done anything publicity-wise wrong, for the most part. I really can't think of anything. I mean, somebody I'm sure could argue that there are things they've, but really, when it comes to marketing, they are the example <laughs> of how to market. Hmm, you might be right about that. I've heard time and time again, any publicity is good publicity. Yes. So <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Any publicity is good publicity. So with the whole Kaepernick Nike thing, it's almost like there is this superficial race war now. It is. You are either pro Nike or anti Nike. You are either people are cutting up their socks. <laughs> really is it that serious okay don't buy anymore but i'm not cutting up what i got i'm sorry and then i saw people on twitter talking about oh that's why i'm a converse girl well good for you go get your converses i'm trying to really really be good about the thing remember i told you i felt like i had an idea about how i wanted to present some topics i'm trying to be really good in my head as far as presenting this podcast to thinking of both sides of things what would they argue back? What would the people on the other side argue back? The things that I've heard about the flag standing and kneeling situation is that people think that there is some version of disrespect to the flag going on with the kneeling. So they should talk to the people who are kneeling and ask them 
why? But let's start with Colin Kaepernick. His first, the way that he researched, how do I peacefully protest this? He talked to military veterans. He spoke with people and he did research and said, how do I protest the abuse against African-Americans by the authorities in their communities? How do I protest this? And, and he was, the advice he was given by a veteran, I believe, was, Neil, it is a peaceful protest. You don't want to stand because what that star-spangled banner represents to you is not the same as what it represents to people that look at that as a patriotic thing. They just want us to conform to their beliefs. So they want the flag to mean to us what it means to them. Like, just like you said, they don't understand that it means different things. They don't understand that the star-spangled banner terrorizes some people and that some people don't feel like the flag represents them and cares about them. They don't understand that some people feel oppressed in this country right now. They always talk about depression rates, but can we uh, rate oppression for once? I don't even think they have an oppression scale. But if they did, you know, the United States would be far, would have far worse scores than all the other civilized nations that are supposed to be civilized. Yeah, and you can just you could just, even if you were to do very vague gauges of that, little things like um, maternal, you know, uh, maternity leave, paid leave, that's just human. So we know that, that breastfeeding is better for babies, but yet that time that is built to making better, healthier babies, you don't give mothers for maternity leave. So they can't actually build that bond, build the milk, spend that time when we know that that is a bonus, a benefit for kids, if you can do it, if you can foster that, if you can make it happen, you should make that happen. But yet we don't do that as an American society. We don't provide time for moms to do that. We don't provide time for families to bond together in a new life and make that entrance into the world a really great thing for this little human being. No, 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 no. We don't do that because we got profits. So that's just one sign of oppression towards one particular group, I would say mothers. Now, if we were to actually take that and break that down into oppression of African-American moms, single moms, military moms, or however you want to break that down, you could break that down over and over and over again. Social economic status, that would be the, the thing right there. Right, an oppression meter. I don't know, like the whole, I feel so much pride when I see brothers on the field kneeling during the national anthem in solidarity. Like I feel so much pride that they have the guts to do that because it is not the easy choice. I, I have so much pride when I see, and, and I could see people's anger and hate and mm -hmm. pissed offness towards them. And it makes me sad. Well, they don't understand that these men risk their lives on that field. It's not a war field, but the football field is a battlefield. And, you know, easily they can get tackled, get a concussion, break a neck, a back, anything. You know what I mean? So they're risking their lives for the entertainment of the people who don't seem to realize that when they're not on the field, when they're out in the streets and in their communities, they may not even be able to get in their gated communities. So many of them already have. So many guys do get arrested in their own communities, going into yeah. their own homes. Don't let don't let a black man in a rich neighborhood get locked out of his house. I mean, oh, I know that... there are countless, countless news stories of that happening. So. <sighs> 
but I don't think people really understand that that's what happens. It doesn't happen to them, so they don't think it happens to anybody else. They don't realize it. Right. No, it ain't like they, the people who aren't supporting Ka- Colin Kaepernick, they aren't hanging around with Colin or anybody like Colin. Yeah. You know, they're, they're a bunch of isolated people. It's not. If it doesn't diverse... affect you, it doesn't matter. If it doesn't affect you, it's not important. If it doesn't affect you, it is not valuable. If it doesn't affect you, we shouldn't talk about it. And that's the problem. That is why I'm hoping that when we talked last week's episode, I felt was so short, we could have probably talked about so much longer. Um, the hair the hair episode. I I just... You've it got to make space. You've got to make space for these conversations. You've got to make spaces for these conversations that people don't want to have because they feel like if I have them, then I'm racist. No, if you have them, then you can understand where somebody else is coming from. But that means you have to listen. Yep. But All I don't care time. if you do. <laughs> well, no, you know what they say. People are always waiting to speak, not listening. So it's messed up. Yeah, and it is it, it is sad, especially for those young kids who are learning so early in life that structural racism is real. Institutional racism is all over in every institution, and unfortunately, schools are institutions. And we are not imagining it. Yeah, and they're designed to socialize people and. <sighs> That's what they did. I mean, think about it. Where did you learn about patriotic, being patriotic? In school. That's where we learned the Pledge of Allegiance. My parents didn't teach that. I don't know anybody's parents who teach them that. I don't, I mean, maybe there are some, you know, Boy Scout, Girl Scouts or well, something. Well, I know but... some people who feel that that should be a part of school curriculum. And I, maybe, when, I, you know, now, especially knowing what I know about this current president, Maybe before him, we owed that office some some level of you know patriotism and respect, or maybe I don't know. No, but right now, no, I don't because I didn't I didn't feel comfortable standing for the flag even before Colin did his protest. I mean, I I remember in school at Albion College, I didn't feel like standing for the flag at basketball games and football games. Why should I? You know what I mean. How can I pledge allegiance to something that's not pledging allegiance to me? See, and I did. I, I think I did. I think there was times where I felt patriotic, where I felt like, you know, my parents came here and they built a life. And, you know, there were times where I felt very, very, I, I, I can remember, you know, certain people, when Whitney sang at the Olympics. America, especially the brave men and women serving our nation in the Persian Gulf and throughout the world. Please join in the singing of our national anthem. The anthem will be followed by a flyover of F-16 jets from the 56th Tactical Dream. And now I, like, look at those, like, air displays as, hey, wait a minute, that's peacocking. Hold on. But I was young, 1991. First year of high school. Whitney Houston.
not doing anything for you, is it, Lee? Not at all. I am so not moved. Like, okay. Get to the USA part. <laughs> thing was born in the USA and I was probably like in second grade I felt patriotic back then when I was a little girl but as I got older and started learning about history yeah well yeah as I got older it definitely um it definitely changed but I, I will say that the net the Olympics probably gave me more of a sense of patriotism than even school probably. Oh well, yeah. Yeah. I, I had a thing. I had a thing for the Olympics. Yeah. And so what? hopefully, if something was tragic against the nation, a threat against the nation, hopefully we would be able to come together. I don't know. I don't know how people expect. Pro uh, I don't know how people expect protests to go. I don't know what. If you were to de design a protest, if you were to design a government, you were to say, okay, this is the way this government will work. And when certain people feel like they are dealing with injustice, this is how they should protest. How would you design it? How would these people who complain about Colin, how would they design a protest? <clears throat> they would do the same thing or worse. Because historically, what's a pro protest that gets out of hand is a riot um what um a state police standoff i mean seriously i, I think of people who are protesting i'm thinking of the militia and you know waco yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. those were protests um and they didn't end very well and, and go well so i don't know how people um, expect us to protest, but the other book I was saying I read was The Miseducation of the Negro. Oh. That word, it, it's so old. It's, it was published in 1933. Mm -hmm. But it talks about the indoctrination of African American culture in the United States, you know, based through the schools. And, you know, after reading that and Malcolm X, I, no, I had no reason to, to stand for the flag back then. Um, the Christopher Columbus situation. When it really, <laughs> when I really figured out <laughs> oh, that girl. he screwed up and landed here and called them Indians. Yeah. But he was looking for India, like where my family's from. But he's yeah. But like, I was like, wait. And then why did they say he discovered America? And then I started like doing more digging into it. I was like, hey, wait a minute. He didn't discover it. Right, people were already there, <laughs> and, but he renamed them. Yeah, the wrong name, misidentification. Yeah. Well, but they get away with that, and they still celebrate his birthday. It's coming up next month. I know. I don't really celebrate Columbus Day. I, I don't either, and nobody really does. But it's just stupid to have on the calendar, like. This idiot got lost and just told this nation who they are. Who they are. And then are. allowed, you know, the people who he reported to to believe that he had done something special and great. Here's the thing. How are we currently in a situation right now 
where we've got a president under investigation who is allowed to appoint a justice to the Supreme Court. Like, the how general... does that work? How are you allowed to be under investigation in the position you're in and put somebody in the highest seat to affect all the laws that we have in this land? How is that allowed? How are you even the president under investigation? I don't ever remember a president being under investigation. Nixon. Criticize. What, yes. Nixon, Nixon, I mean. Well, yeah, of course. Other than that. I mean, Clinton. But this is a whole <laughs> different, to me, this is like a whole different thing. You were on those guys. What you're, this, this is like a whole, this is Russia running us. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what's at stake We're here. Russia's bitch. Yeah. <laughs> it's so sad. When I think of patriotic behaviors, I think of the Cold War and us uniting because the Soviet Union wanted to spread communism everywhere. You know what I mean? And that's why America had to stay strong and unite together. And now the Russians are running the country. Yeah. It's, They're running <laughs> no, I'm stuff. not standing for the flat. No, they needed. They got to get it together. You know, tradition isn't everything. Maybe we need to change some traditions. Maybe we need to change the flag, change the national anthem, change the pledge of allegiance, and make it something that's more appropriate and inclusive like why don't we want to be inclusive like don't we want to be warm and welcoming and open arm to the like don't we want to be i don't think everybody does you know no <laughs> not anymore <laughs> i i used to think that but no the reality is no some people do and some people don't some people want to be powerful and superior do you remember i told you about the um andrew gillum gubernatorial uh, candidate who uh -huh. remember i told mentioned that the there was these robocalls uh-huh listen to this from npr i love npr by the way me too the Florida gubernatorial election has started out with issues of race at the center. The morning after the primary last week, Republican nominee Ron DeSantis told voters not to monkey up the state by electing his Democratic opponent, Andrew Gillum, who's African-American. DeSantis denied his comment was racist. Later in the week, racist robocalls impersonating Gillum went out to some Florida voters. Oh NPR's God. Emily Sullivan has more. Tallahassee Mayor Andrew Gillum is the first African-American to win a major party's nomination for Florida governor. The 39-year-old progressive defeated centrist Democrats in an upset in last week's primary. NPR obtained a recording of a robocall targeting Florida voters in the race for governor. A narrator claiming to be the candidate speaks in an exaggerated dialect straight out of Jim Crow, with background sound evoking the jungle. The brief excerpt you are about to hear is overtly racist. Again, that overtly racist clip is an impersonation. The call ends noting it was paid for by the Road to Power, a neo-Nazi white supremacist podcast operated by an Idaho man. 
The road to power also sent robocalls to Iowa last week, using the death of Molly Tibbetts to try to spread a racist white supremacist message. Tibbetts, a University of Iowa student, disappeared on a run in July. Her body was discovered over a month later. The suspect in her killing is a Mexican immigrant who entered the U.S. illegally. The Iowa robocall, in part, suggested that if Tibbetts were alive today, she'd advocate for the killing of all Mexican immigrants. All right. Father Rob so, Tibbetts thanks, NPR, for that piece. Um, um, yeah, so, yeah, but, so that was a thing, and, yeah, that was it. I saw a sign um, yesterday. I was going over to a friend's house, and it said... We support immigrants. And I thought, that's so sad that we need a yard sign to say, hey, we support immigrants. Yeah, because for the most part, if you're an immigrant, you're not going and knocking on doors for looking for friends these days. You got that right. It's crazy. Um... Those robocalls, did she say in there what the robocalls were from? Um, I don't think so. Uh, obtained, narrated by someone pretending, paid for by the Road to Power, a neo-Nazi anti-Semitic podcast operated by Scott Rhodes of Idaho, who I w- am willing to bet if they did research would find out he's got some Russian connection somewhere. What if the Russians are just like hacking in that way? You know what I mean? What if they're they just calling all are. those small town people? And that's so messed up that that voice, like, that's so antagonizing because it just fits every stereotype that... Of course. I it's mean, ignorant. It's ignorant. I just cringe when I hear that. And laugh. Well, you know, <laughs> laughter is my natural reaction. I know, because it's ridiculous. I know. Yeah. I know. So I don't go overboard or, you know, I just laugh at inappropriate times I've learned. It's I got a weird sense of humor. Well, it's, we got to laugh. There's a lot if, of people. Lee, if we don't laugh, we'll go crazy. I will go crazy because that was some bull right there. If somebody called my phone, I can't even imagine what I would do if I picked up my phone and heard that. That's like a form of terrorism. Those phone calls? Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine getting those back to back or having that on your voicemail? No, I can't. I, can't. I probably would have called the police. And honestly, it is like it is a terrorizing feeling. Like, and I, I'm not an African American woman, and I feel somewhat terrorized knowing that there's people out there making calls like that and will pay to push those calls out. Like, I feel terrorized knowing that. Yeah, because those type of people only care about themselves, Look and anybody this. different than them is an enemy and a target. I found a, I saw a bumper sticker the other day, and if I would have gotten up close to the people, I would have high-fived them. I would have, like, rolled down my window and high-fived them, because I thought it took major cojones to drive around Florida with this on your car. Look at this. I hope you can read this. This is on the back of a car. Can you... Here, hold on. Let me... Wait, hold it up. Hold on. Trump. <laughs> And fuck you for voting for him. Yeah, that right, was a bumper right. sticker. I was like, what? Okay. Yeah. That took some guts. Yeah. That took some guts. 
Hmm. Have to look for those. <laughs> where you should have? Where did you buy that? Um, right. After these messages, we'll be right back. Welcome back, episode number five. I don't care if you listen. Is the name of our podcast? I'm Shalini. She's Leonica. We usually record on Wednesdays, and we did record on Wednesday. So this is episode number five, take two. After we recorded last night, after we hung up the phone, don't you catch me when I say hang up the phone? (laughs) There was an anonymous letter printed in the New York Times, and it's titled, I am part of the resistance inside the Trump administration. And it says things like President Trump is facing a test to his presidency, unlike any faced by a modern American leader. The dilemma, I'm paraphrasing here, the dilemma, which he does not fully grasp, is that many of the senior officials in his own administration are working diligently from within to frustrate parts of his agenda and his work in worst inclinations. I would know I am one of them. To be clear, ours is not the popular resistance of the left. We want the administration to succeed and think that many of its policies have already made America safer and more prosperous. There is a quiet resistance within the administration, people choosing to put country first, but the real difference will be made by everyday citizens rising above policies, reaching across the aisle, and resolving to shed the labels in favor of a single one, Americans. Just says the writer is a senior official in the Trump administration. There's a mole in the White House, apparently. Yeah, 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 I heard that. That's cool. Okay, but is it cool or is it just a game? Is this a game they're playing with us? Probably, but it gives us something to talk about. If Mike Pence was going to get people to align with him and support him, he would take the role of correcting the idiocracy of the current president. He, he, he could take that role and win. Mike Pence saved us. Can't you just hear it? Can't you hear him? Mm-mm. And then Mike Pence, who is, excuse my French, but douchier than, 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 cause he's experienced, experienced douchier. He's gonna say, look, I saved us from this crazy man. So that's my hope is that it's not him because if it is him, then it is definitely a publicity whoring moment where they're taking this to, for a publicity level to try and make him seem like the guy with the S on his chest who's saving the day. That's just my conspiracy theory. I'm just going to say that's what it is. But you know what? What is crazy about conspiracy theories in today's day and age when you've got anonymous letters from the president's inside circle being published in national newspapers? Give me a break. Right. So you think it's a conspiracy? Who do you think set it up? The Russians? Yeah, I'm sure they're the whole PR team. I'm, I feel like it's a whole I, PR team set that up. Like the robocalls? Oh, yeah, exactly. They know what they're doing. Oh, yeah, they know what they're doing. They're doing it. It's all propaganda. You asked me if I thought it was the Russians. I don't put it past the Russians, but I almost don't know if we have to go that deep into it. I mean, I think it's surface level right here in our backyards. And sure, it could be Russians influencing that too. But at this point, I feel like the whole thing is Russian. And they're just trying to take us down from within and make us fight amongst ourselves so we can crumble each other down. And then we make it easier for them to do what they got to do. But I'm hoping that I leave my son with a better place. <laughs> well, you better. Am I going back to doom and gloom? No, nah, you can't do that. Come back, Shell. Come back. And I don't want to be doom and gloom about it, but it's kind of scary that it's all happening. And you feel like the division of the country is very clear in this whole Nike issue. Mm-hmm. 
I saw a friend of mine who I thought was totally on the same page about what peaceful protest meant. She posted something today about how, you know, Nike really let her down type of thing. And that makes me sad because it's like, dude, they have a business to run. Like, please tell me you are not putting this much energy into this company, knowing that they are doing what they're doing for publicity. It's working. The conversation is happening. It's like a math problem and it's happening the way that they want it to play out. It's playing out that way. Don't you think? Well, apparently they are representing that person's views. What do you mean? That person is in support of the campaign and... and oh, you're saying that, they, that they're not the person that I'm talking about? Right. Yeah, says that, that is say, basically saying that Nike is not supporting her views. That's right. So she doesn't want to support Nike. She She's disappointed. She oh. must have invested a lot of money in their gear. Oh, come on. Just whatever, dude. We support bad stuff all day long. If you've been eating at McDonald's and you think that that's fine and you're supporting all the right things by eating at McDonald's all the time, then you are on some other planet. I genuinely believe the CEO of McDonald's and the CEOs of all the pharmaceutical companies get together like, how do we do this? We'll make the food. They do. They, do. Yeah. they got to. They do. We'll make the food that will make them need your drugs. Deal? Bet. They have all those dinners, those expensive dinners, a million dollar a plate for rubbery chicken. <laughs> they'll have a convention or whatever, and then they'll go and have their little sidebar discussions and decide what they're going to do. They scheme. But, you know, they can get mad about Nike all they want. Nike is not going anywhere. They're talking about their stocks went down, but... They didn't go any far further down than what they normally fluctuate on any other day. That's what stocks do, up and down. $2 is nothing. Right, and honestly, the footprint, no pun intended, that Nike has on the world, <laughs> so pun totally intended, as far as their Just Do It campaigns, their shoes that they sell, their clothes that they sell, all their endorsements that they have, their events that they they host, you know, the things that they sponsor. The ad is uh, probably way better video than it is audio, but um, I'd like to play it anyway. Go ahead. Let's see what we got here. Um, Oh, this is from CNBC. Nike, Nike's Colin Kaepernick ads created $163.5 million in buds since it began, and that was published two hours ago. All right, hold on. <laughs> they know what they're doing. The best publicity is any publicity. Get it. It's going to drop tonight during the, um, the football game. Okay. If people say your dreams are crazy, if they laugh at what you think you can do, stay that way because what non-believers fail to understand is that calling a dream crazy is not an insult it's a compliment don't try to be the fastest runner in your school or the fastest in the world be the fastest ever don't picture yourself wearing obj's jersey picture obj wearing yours don't settle for homecoming queen or linebacker do both. Lose 120 pounds and become an Iron Man after beating a brain tumor. Don't believe you have to be like anybody to be somebody. If you're born a refugee, don't let it stop you from playing soccer for the national team at age 16. 
don't become the best basketball player on the planet. Be bigger than basketball. Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. When they talk about the greatest team in the history of the sport, make sure it's your team. If you have only one hand, don't just watch football. Play it at the highest level. And if you're a girl from Compton, don't just become a tennis player. Become the greatest athlete ever. Yeah, that's more like it. So don't ask if your dreams are crazy. Ask if they're crazy enough. Yeah, that's pretty dope. Check this out. I saw an ad this morning. It, it took Colin's little face, and it said, um, believe in the people who really sacrifice everything. And it had a police badge where Colin was. And then there's also, in North Carolina, there's a police department that's, six, that's I think, supporting the ads a little bit by saying, don't tear up your Nike stuff. If you don't want to support Nike and want to boycott them, bring your Nike gear here. We'll make sure somebody who needs it gets it. Yeah, especially the veterans, the people that you're saying he is hurting, which, again, how would you suggest that someone in Colin Kaepernick's shoes protest the injustice he describes and he sees and he wants to bring attention to? How would you suggest he do it? I would love to have somebody on who would tell us how they would want him to do that in his shoes. It was a peaceful protest. It wasn't violent. It wasn't destructive. It wasn't belligerent. A silent, peaceful protest. And people are offended, I think, because they're misinformed about what it means. They want to put it on patriotism, and that's not what it's about. It has nothing to do with the flag per se, except for the flag needs to stand up and represent people who are being killed by police brutality. Yeah. Bottom line, it's not saying I'm not a patriot or I hate America or the armed forces. Right. It's just saying I don't want to be killed by the popo. When I get off the field, my life is at risk when I leave here and get in my car. I just want to know what people expect would want Colin to do in that position. I just am curious what people would They do. Right. But historically, I think what, the way people protest things that are going on, people who criticize Colin, they protest in destructive and violent ways. Mm -hmm. They destroy their sides. They have standoffs with the police and guns. You know, I'm thinking of Bundy, Waco, Mm -hmm. Ruby Ridge, where people were protesting outright protesting against the government. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now that, I think, is unpatriotic. What Colin is doing is saying, hey, all of our citizens deserve a chance to live and we should not be targeting or treating one group of people any different than another people. And this is the way that I can use my platform to get you to listen. This is what I'm going to do. Right. That's what we all talk about. We always talk about using our platforms, right? Like use the platform you have in front of you. Right. Use what you've got. Black lives matter. All other lives matter too. But I use an analogy that if a neighborhood 
is working and it's a very diverse neighborhood and one house is on fire, the fire department is not going to all the other houses and spraying them with water. <laughs> They're going to the house where there is a fire. Bottom line, there is a fire right now in the African-American community, in the Hispanic community, where they are targeted by the police. I mean, the police is just, they're military, and people are getting killed for stupid reasons. Unarmed people, how is that a threat? People walking away, trying to sell cigarettes, a little boy eating some Skittles. You know, how, how are these people a threat? Sandra Bland. That's right. Rest in peace. Oppressed communities, though, they do the same thing. Detroit riots, L.A. riots, Watts riots. They destroy their own stuff, too. But the police come in with their shields and their battalions and, what is it, rubber bullets? You mean their batons? Yeah. Yeah, well, they come in a battalion style. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I get what you're saying about, you know, how people begin to be destructive. And I couldn't agree with you more, but I also am looking at it from a little more of a macro way. It really does feel like there are concerted efforts to split us off in half, like not even anymore in segments. Now it's either pro this shit or anti this shit. There is really no middle ground anymore. It's structural right now. Because these are, I mean, this is supposed to be the leader of our country and he's creating the division and amplifying it and the people he's appointing and the people he's hiring. Oh my God, this is judge shit. Oh, see, and this is, okay, so on to Brett Kavanaugh and his confirmation hearings. Do we have news on that? Let's see if we have news on that today. Um, so you know how I told you that the people that we sold our shop to ended up breaking the contract and they didn't pay us what they said they were going to pay us and what they agreed to. And now we're suing them. But I always wonder like, man, how is it that you can break the law and still function and go about day to day business? Like it's nothing, but like, how does it, it goes up to the very tippy top? How does the president get to be under investigation for basically treason against his own country and still get to hire a judge for the biggest seat in the country when it comes to the judicial and the legal system. How do you know how? how? White privilege. That's what you're saying at work here. And people want to retain all the privilege that they get. And it's a horrible thing because it's explicit today. It's super crazy. I thought that the legal system that was supposed to work for everybody, I really thought that it was going to be the type of thing where, you know, justice will be served. Justice. They fooled you. The legal system is not supposed to work for everybody. None of these systems are supposed to work for everybody because everybody didn't design these systems. It's white privilege, the education system, the judicial system, law enforcement, hell, child welfare. It was, these systems are designed, they're doing exactly what they were designed to do. It's structural racism. It's (laughs) institutionalized racism and it's oppression. And in school, they socialize you to make things look all hunky dory, but 
we got to look at the reality. I mean, think about it. You talked last night about Christopher Columbus. Yeah, yeah. How they fooled us, and then they're still teaching our kids that same shit. Not saying, oh, he made a mistake. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're still teaching it with reverence, like, hello, this is a fairy tale. We know this isn't real. <laughs> but happy Columbus Day! To find out what he did to them. I know the disease and the the anguish that he caused people who were doing nothing to nobody about nothing. We're just minding their own business, doing their own thing. And he decided to bring as much pain and anguish as he could so that he could weaken them amongst themselves and take over. Weaken them amongst themselves seems to be a very tactical mechanism when it comes to taking over places. And I have my kids Russia shirt t-shirt that my parents got him from Russia and I always wonder am I going to send him to school in a Russia shirt is that going to be funny or is that going to be patriotic or is that going to be what is that if I send him to school (laughs) that would be treason don't you do my guy something like that so should I walk around with a confederate flag t-shirt on no that's not the same Russia is the present the confederate flag is the past I can't tell because I see that motherfucker riding around and waving I know. every time I roll down the street. I know. I know. It's all over here. Definitely yeah, all over here. Too. It, I mean, old glory is still alive and well. And as long as it's flying, it's flying. I think if I wore it, though, they'll stop flying it so much. I think so, too. But I also think that they have no... They, when I say they, it's the people who fly that flag or carry that symbol with pride. I don't think they understand what... Uh, how that affects people and how that hurts people. I think someone's ringing my doorbell. Hold on. I know, but I gotta go, babe. Okay, love ya. Love you too. Bye. Bye.